0: This Dharma talk was recorded at Prairie Mountain Zen Center in Longmont, Colorado. Well, welcome again, everyone, to Prairie Mountain Zen Center. Um, thank you to Jodo Cliff Blueson, again, our founding uh, teacher here at Prairie Mountain, based out of Longmont, Colorado. Uh, for supporting our practice and our study, as always, this is the first of our six-week class on the Platform Sutra. And as Jen held up her book, I'll hold up mine. We're using this Red Pine translation, uh, which is a wonderful book. Uh, we're here yes to study the Platform Sutra, which is the story of Huainan, the sixth ancestor of Zen Buddhism, after. Um, Bodhidharma, the first ancestor. And it's really the story of an everyman or an every person. Puenang is uh, just an everyday guy. And he uh, awakens by overhearing a passing monk reciting a gata, a verse from the Diamond Sutra. Awaken your mind without fixing it anywhere, is how one translation goes uh And we are all Huang in a way, overhearing this Gaza now. allow mind to arise abiding nowhere. Allow mind to arise, abiding nowhere. So as we observed in the talk on Sunday, Koongng is a simple woodcutter from the south of China. And he's kind of classified as a barbarian by the northern Chinese, who um, that's where the capital was, the center of of Chinese civilization at that time was in the north. And uh, overhearing this verse from the Vajra, or Diamond Sutra, causes an an awakening to unfold in him. And his world alters immediately. And he asks, where can I receive instruction to further awaken into this spaciousness of mind and being? So for us, modern people, even as practitioners, we might think skeptically, like, how can this happen? Right, And that's one of the the, the elements of the story that I think is really helpful for our practice is um, because we have all sorts of stories in Zen where people awaken not because of words. And in fact, the first ancestor Bodhidharma was famous for saying Zen is a practice beyond words and letters. And so it's interesting to watch in this story how it it is words that are a catalyst for awakening as opposed to some other kind of sound or seeing something or even feeling something and so forth. But, but for Huenang, it was this gata and somehow he's ready to hear it. Right. And this came up in the, in the talk and the Q and a on Sunday, you know, how is this possible? What is it? inside of Nung, either his earlier practice and or his karmic makeup that position him at this Dharma in this Dharma position so that when the words drop into his consciousness it opens him wide open. The readiness is all. Hamlet says this in his famous play. And it expresses his own awakening. And in some ways, it touches the essence in Huenang's being the moment he hears the Vajra Diamond verse. So the Platform Sutra ultimately expresses an influential and abiding truth in the Buddha way. Anyone and everyone can awaken. And so this is in contrast to the story of the Buddha, right? Prince Gotama was to the manner born. He was going to become the next king. He was being protected in the palace by his father. Kwainung is different. He's nothing like that. Instead, his story is that of a humble person, but one whose body, heart, mind is primed, for a particular moment, somehow. And perhaps you too have had this moment when something irreversible happens and unfolds within you and you are never the same again. The Platform Sutra is about this sort of moment-centered awakening and it's also about long-term training. In other words, it's both about sudden and gradual enlightenment, and it synthesizes many of the great teachings that were already present during the Tang dynasty in China, roughly between 600 and 950 to give us a sort of context. Early during the dark ages in medieval Europe as they are called Um, Red Pine in his commentary writes about the Diamond Sutra he says the Diamond Sutra, the Sutra on Mind may look like a book but it's really the body of the Buddha it's also your body, my body all possible bodies but it's a body with nothing inside nothing outside. It doesn't exist in space or time, nor is it a construct of the mind. It is no mind. And yet, because it is no mind, it has room for compassion. This book, meaning the Diamond Sutra, is the offering of no mind born of compassion for all suffering beings. Of all the sutras that teach this teaching, this is the diamond. It cuts through delusions, illuminates what is real, and cannot be destroyed. It is the path on which all Buddhas stand and walk. And to read it is to stand and walk with Buddhas. So that's a pretty powerful paragraph from Red Pine. Very concentrated, uh, very powerful assertions. The Diamond Sutra is given as negative instruction. It is a verse from this teaching that awakens Swainam to the nature of mind and sends him further towards teaching at Hongren's monastery on the mountain. And by negative teaching, again, we can hear in the last word of the Gatha: "Allow mind to arise, abiding nowhere." All right. So there's permission in this initial part of it, right? Allow mind to arise, but abiding nowhere. So the startling nature of the negative assertions can crack open habituated mind our everyday consciousness, our way of seeing the world uh, that we call reality. So as I said, the Gata that over overhears is, is permissive on one hand, allow mind to arise, and this where we can really feel into this, I think, when we sit Zazen, as we did before, uh, just just moments ago, right? We're really just allowing ourselves, taking the one seat, Opening our posture, because that's one of the beautiful things about the Buddha way, is that it is grounded and upright and open. And so even the physical posture initiates the openness that um, ultimately unfolds holistically. And we are in this posture of openness to do this allowing, not pushing anything away. Or when we do push it away, then in the next moment we can say, ah, ah, look how I pushed that away. So we even have the openness to recognizing our defensiveness, our long-established, habituated tendency to push away whatever seems negative or um, fear-inducing um some things that we would say uh i am averse to that and and please make it go away right and <laughs> and often we are doing that ourselves right um and then of course the Gata is also negative uh in the sense of the mind is abiding nowhere and, and this was really kind of the instruction that uh the bodhidharma eventually gave his his second ancestor, a student Quaka. Quaka felt disturbed in his mind, uh, heart being, and he goes to eventually once Bodhidharma lets him in uh, to be his student. You know he, he he's like I'm struggling with my mind and 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 can you help me? Sometimes it's translated as can you pacify it and and. And Bodhidharma skillfully asks him well where is your mind? Right he kind of puts it back onto the practitioner person and asks him like well where what is this mind you're you're complaining about or saying you're having so much trouble about. And Huéca, of course by this point is long and seasoned and so he he really reflects on this practice question. And eventually, he responds, "Well, I I can't locate it, right? I can't really track it down, or say it's this thing or that thing." And Bodhidharma jumps in there and see, "There you go. I already helped you. I've alleviated your, son. you know." And so Hueca is sort of stunned. He realizes, kind of in their exchange. That he is more liberated than he had ever supposed, and he, I think, in in the, I think our our practice understanding is that we, you know, Huaiga is able to let go his mind even more and not be um, traumatized or full of suffering about it. it. It it's it's a kind of an embodiment of Uchiyama Roshi's expression, he, he opening the hand of thought. No longer was he clenching down on identifying with those thoughts. So that's what I think is being pointed to by the gata. Allow mind to arise abiding aware. In modern Westerns and influenced by Suzuki and Katagiri Roshi, among other teachers, we often call this don't know mind. And hopefully we can see that it is a complex teaching and practice and we're always working with this and you know because we also not only study you know the arising of mind but also sensations in body the emotions including aversion or desire but also mind states right that we kind of get in these grooves of habituated consciousness And those can be harder to release, to open from. Translator Red Pine again provides a detailed introduction. Shakyamuni Buddha spoke this sutra one afternoon after he returned from begging for his daily meal in one of the biggest cities of the ancient world. This is the introduction, Red Pine's introduction to Diamond Sutra. Instead of the shelter of a tree or cave, he returned to a hut in a 200-acre preserve donated to the Buddha's order by two of the city's wealthiest and most powerful men. In addition to its forest, the preserve included enough dwellings to house more than a thousand disciples of the Buddha. After going inside one such dwelling to put away his patched robe and stone bowl, the Buddha came back outside, washed his feet, sat down on a wooden seat just beyond his door. His disciples were standing in the dirt courtyard in front of his hut, and some came forward to pay respects. Then they all sat down on their mats. After they were settled, the Venerable Sabuti rose and asked the Buddha, how can we all become Buddhas? So Sabuti takes the leading role in Diamond Sutra. He's the one who asks all the questions, and Buddha is always there to correct him or inform him. And the Diamond Sutra is the elongated answer of the Buddha to Subhuti's question, how can we all become Buddhas? No one knows precisely when this took place, but if Yi's classification of the Buddha's sutras is correct, it would have been within 10 years of 400 before the Common Era, or within a decade either way of when Buddha was 65 years of age. And it was during this period that the Buddha began teaching a teaching that cut through all other teachings, including his own, a teaching that refused to define itself as a teaching. Several decades earlier, following his enlightenment, the Buddha had taught people to free themselves from suffering by realizing the impermanence and interdependence of everything upon which their suffering depended, including and especially themselves. The Buddha called this realization of shunyata, emptiness, the view that because nothing exists independently of other things, it has no nature of its own, and everything is therefore empty. And this emptiness is the true nature of reality. Later, when Buddha began teaching people to view emptiness itself as empty, and to put the emptiness of emptiness to work toward the liberation of all beings, few disciples grasped this new teaching, which he called the perfection of wisdom, the wisdom beyond wisdom. By the time of his Nirvana in 383, before the Common Era, there were still not many members of his order who understood this teaching or its ramifications. Long statement from Red Pine. His other name is Bill Porter, and he has done many translations of Buddhist scripture and Chinese poetry. A humble guy from Idaho who lives in port towns in Washington and takes long walks on the beach along the Strait of Juan de Fuca, which looks across north to Vancouver Island in British Columbia towards Victoria, B.C. And, of course, the Strait of Juan de Fuca opens to the Great Pacific. Part of his appeal to readers of English is his everyday quality, his down-to-earth, humble voice, that combines with sincere and detailed efforts to translate accurately and elegantly. Like the monks of the Buddha's later teaching years, he can relate when, quote, few disciples understood this teaching. So Bill Porter, Red Pine's detailed introduction to the Diamond Sutra contextualizes what Kuenang overhears. So I thought I would take that time to introduce that. I think it's helpful. And, of course, Huenam's Gata, the Gata from Diamond Sutra, is a compressed teaching of the Perfection of Wisdom Sutras, which were, in the second century before the Common Era, compiled into the Maha Prajnaparamita Sutras by the Dharmagaputakas, a sect that developed eventually into what we call Mahayana or later Buddhism. So here's another passage from Red Pine. I'm leaning on him heavily here in our first evening in this class. Um, he's speaking of Edward Kahnze, an earlier translator. Um, and we're, I think, familiar with Kanse in particular because he's been a devout, translator of what we call the Heart Sutra. So that's what this passage is about. Red Pine goes to say, Kanse and other scholars think that the perfection of wisdom in 8,000 lines, so there's a long version of Heart Sutra, was the first such scripture to appear, and that it was followed by versions of the same basic sutra, same cast, same events, same teaching, often the same words, in various versions, 18,000 lines, 25,000 lines, 100,000 lines. Ponsai also thought that after the expansion of the perfection of wisdom in 8,000 lines into longer versions, it was then contracted, going back the other way to 4,000 lines and then to 2,500 lines and elements of its teacher teaching further added into 700 lines, 500 lines, and finally, the Diamond Sutra itself, 300 lines. All right, sorry for all the math, but I think, you know, it helps us see, like, the incredible, you know, we're so far away, right, from this time of, of these writings of these sutras, and then they're, the different versions of the sutras that get done the great expand. It's almost like an accordion, like we're going really wide, and then we come really back and we compress it into this concentrated Diamond Sutra. But he goes on to say, one thing that such an interpretation overlooks or fails to explain is that in the perfection of wisdom in 8,000 lines and in all the sutras based on it, Sabuti often takes the Buddhist place in teaching the perfection of wisdom. Whereas, by contrast, in the Diamond Sutra, he hears this teaching for the first time and for the first time sets forth on the Bodhisattva path, right? So we now are inheritors of Mahayana Buddhism and are on the Bodhisattva path, right? We are awakening to our true nature and also taking on our Bodhisattva vows to help all beings right and 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 really, our practice is inseparable from helping all other beings, right that that we, even if we think this vow is impossible, right that we're going to save all beings, right, and end all suffering. We take this on with our whole heart because we know through our practice and our lived experience that this moment is the only moment. And we can save the being in front of us somehow, even if saving that being means shutting up or, or just laying a hand on somebody's shoulder. There's all sorts of ways, right? Great and small. Um, and so Red Pine is clarifying, Sabuti has taken the, the Buddhist place in teaching the perfection of wisdom in all of the perfection of wisdom teachings but in the diamond sutra instead he hears the teaching of the perfection of wisdom for the first time and for the first time he sets forth on the bodhisattva path and thus concludes red pine it makes more sense to view the diamond sutra as preceding rather than following these other texts of course there's linear time and then there's buddha time and the sutra is definitely On Buddha time. And then he gives us a little bit of personal confession. This is like the Bill Porter part really coming through. As for what it means, he says, I must have worn out my copy trying to understand this sutra. Right? So we can all take great consolation. Even the translator is saying, I have worn out my copy trying to understand it. It isn't very long, Diamond Sutra, and can be read in half an hour. Not long after I read it 30 years ago, a fellow graduate student at Columbia translated it in less than one week. Still, it remained a mystery to me. Then, three years later, I was attending Taiwan's College of Chinese Culture. The curator of the college museum introduced me to an edition of the sutra that contained the commentaries of 53 Zen masters. and. I finally began to slow down long enough to understand the meaning of the words. School goes on he goes on to say, Bill Porter only however, interfered with such an endeavor. And after one semester, I moved to a Buddhist monastery in the hills south of Taipei. So this is Bill, you know sharing some of his personal story about how he eventually became a translator and dropped out of graduate school. He says, when I first arrived to the monastery outside south of Taipei, the abbot said, when you hear someone strike this wooden mallet, the han, right? It's time to eat. If you have any questions, just ask. Otherwise, you're on your own. That's how the abbot greeted Bill. And he goes on to say, I never could come up with any questions, so mostly I just read and slept and ate. But he goes on to say, I also meditated several hours a day and took long walks in the hills, and every day after dinner, uh, waiting for evening services to start, I sat on the monastery steps and read this sutra and the comments of the 53 Zen masters. Sometimes I would just hold the book in my hands hoping its teaching would penetrate my skin and flow into my bloodstream and awaken my sleeping dragon mind. But mostly I just heard the dragon snoring. So you get a real flavor of Bill as his sort of humble self. um, And these two paragraphs that I just shared really illustrate his style. First, he's scholarly really instructing us on the unique features of the Diamond Sutra and their uh, contrast to the other Perfection of Wisdom Sutras, how Sabuti hears the instruction from Buddha and for the first time sets forth on the Bodhisattva path. And then second of all, we hear Bill Porter's own personal embodiment of Huena, a humble guy whose mind sleeps and snores like a deeply sleeping, unawakened dragon. So we can all take this to heart as we set out on these weeks exploring the diamond, sorry, the uh, platform sutra. And now we can go back to Huenang here for a moment and see that for whatever reason, he was awake to this Gata about allowing mind to arise, abiding nowhere, but also ready to ask for further instruction. Where can I learn more? How can I... You know, the monk's like, go there. He points up to Hongren's monastery. And there goes Huayna. And arriving, he's immediately recognized as, you know, southern barbarian by the master. But Huayna responds to Hongren's welcome by pointing to an original teaching of the Buddha that was commonly expressed in early tang dynasty china the way has no northern or southern ancestors All right this is a line you have in maybe in your consciousness because it's from the harmony of difference and equality which we often chant in soto zen and it's composed by ancestor Shito. and it establishes the point that huineng makes in meeting with hong In the teaching of the Buddha way, there are no differences or categories that human beings typically make or habitually or conventionally make. In all societies throughout history, that in the teachings of the Buddha and in our own awakening as bodhisattva Buddhas, all minds are the same in their tendencies towards delusion and awakening. So in contrast to the stories of elites like Buddha himself or Ehe Dogen, who was uh, aristocratically born and uh, classically educated, uh, the awakening of Huenang and story of Platform Sutra illustrate this egalitarian and all-pervading quality of Buddha's teachings. That all of us, without exception, can awaken. And all our minds and beings are alike in their propensity to be deluded, but also with their inborn Buddha nature and their potential for awakening into practice enlightenment. So one more longer quote here from Bill Porter, Red Pine, to prepare us to push on into a platform sutra. He says, the title of this book, the Diamond Sutra, is Rajatradhika Prajnaparamita Sutra. Sutra is Sanskrit for string or something strung together. Prajna means wisdom. But here it is qualified by paramita, meaning perfection. Thus, Prajnaparamita means perfection of wisdom or ultimate wisdom, wisdom beyond wisdom. This wisdom was considered the pinnacle of a group of virtues or practices known as the six perfections. And they include charity, morality, forbearance, vigor, and meditation. And wisdom here is also modified by the Vajra Chajika, the diamond-cutting uh, wisdom that cuts through all things and, and also shines a light on all things. So as we when we practice the six perfections. Um, the light of wisdom permeates all of the other five perfections. Otherwise, they're more like human practices that we can go uh, astray in or overdo or underdo. But when pervaded with wisdom and insight and understanding, they become practices of perfection. Um, And so then... He goes on to say that translators and commentators are divided a bit over the meaning of the final compound, uh, Vajra Chidika. Um, Is it the diamond, the, what cuts through diamonds, or is it the diamond that cuts through? So there's kind of some ambiguity in that translation. The vagaries of Sanskrit grammar make both translations possible. And in the Nirvana Sutra, later on, Buddha says Prajna wisdom is like a diamond. Nothing is able to harm it, it can cut through all things. Thus, the second interpretation seems inescapable. As for the chidika or cutting, like so many translators before me, I have let it go, feeling that its meaning is implied by Vajra, meaning diamond, and that its ability to cut is not the only significant significant quality of a diamond. Its ability to cut is only the function of prajna. Its ability to radiate light in its appearance and its indestructibility is its essence. And all three are aspects of prajna and together represent the three bodies of every Buddha around which the sutra turns. Hongren or fifth. Ancestor of the Zen sect once told his disciples that by cherishing the Diamond Sutra, they would see their natures and become Buddhas. And in his commentary to the Sutra, sixth patriarch or ancestor Huenang wrote Countless are those who have read this Sutra, and numberless those who have praised it. More than 800 have written commentaries, and each has explained its meaning according to its perspective. But though perspectives differ, the Dharma is one and the same. This sutra is present in the nature of all beings. Those who do not look within read only the words. While those who become aware of their own minds realize this sutra does not consist of words. This sutra is the finger that points to the moon. So to wrap up, equally important to understanding the link between the teachings of the diamond and platform sutra is the interlinked nature of body-heart. Mind. To underscore this connection, it's important to recognize how Je, sorry, Huainang is immediately sent by fifth ancestor Hongren to the kitchen to pound rice for eight months. In other words, the practice he was directed towards was physical work or soji, as we call it today in Japanese influence Zen. While first awakens to Teachings on mind from Diamond Sutra, it's his physical labor that integrates that teaching into a wholeness, a holistic, interpenetrating practice awakening that prepares him for the next steps, which unfold in the poetry contest at Hongren's monastery. So, as we study and reflect and practice with Platform Sutra, consider how it emphasizes these key points about the Buddha Dharma. Number one, anyone and everyone, all of us can awaken, not just elites or privileged people. Two, awakening can unfold in mysterious moments through words or sounds or any other spark to human consciousness. Three, no one can make enlightenment happen. Awakening must be cultivated. Four, practice is holistic, combining all elements of our humanity, body, heart, and mind. And five, Zen is Mahayana, or later Buddhism, centrally focused on Zazen as the practice enlightenment, which is to study the self, unceasing investigation into what we say form is emptiness, emptiness form. This never-ending discovery of intrinsic Buddha nature in all beings and the practicing of the Bodhisattva way to help all beings cross out of suffering. So thank you. You've been listening to A Dharma Talk from Prairie Mountain Zen Center in Longmont, Colorado. To learn more about us or to make a donation, visit us at prairiemountain.org.